Hey, Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What is a ghost's favorite tapioca pearl-based beverage? I don't know. What is it? Booba tea. Hey, hey. it's spoop hour. <laughs> Welcome back to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. And by beautiful, we mean it went from being like unseasonably cold to now being seasonably hot. It is 90 degrees with humidity today. I gardened for an hour and then passed out for two hours on the couch. And then I woke up to record this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's... We went from having lovely, like, springtime weather mm-hmm. to summer was like, fuck you, and just, like, punched us in the face. And this isn't a spooky thing that happened to me, so I'll just bring it up. Now, our AC isn't working. Mm. Um, we're hoping it just needs to be re-upped on Freon or whatever cold stuff they put in it, because mm-hmm. it blows air. It's just not cold air. Right. So when it is, you know, currently right now it is 90 degrees outside. We've been hovering inside the house between like 77 and like 80, 82. Uh, and that's downstairs. So it's hotter upstairs. And yeah. our landlord, like we've been getting the runaround from the people who are supposed to come fix it. And our landlord mm-hmm. finally was like, I placed the same day pickup order to Home Depot. Go get your new window unit. Yeah. So we have a window unit in one room. Oh, so great. that we have a place to, like, go and not, you know, perish. But it is... It's still it's hot. Toasty. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's it's definitely very hot here. The only good thing to come out of this week being hot is that the cicadas are now finally all out. It's been kind of yeah. like a slow trickle up until now where, like, forecasters had predicted... And by, by forecasters, I mean, like, entomologists had predicted that mm-hmm. the cicadas would be out at, like, the end of April, beginning of May. But now it's, like the middle late part of May and now they're like finally finally out and so you know in the last couple of weeks it's like if you lived in a really like basically if you lived in a place that maybe was woodsy before but now has like more sun and the soil warmed up then you're Mm going to get them all out but if you lived in like a very forested area and it was still really cool in the trees or like um, you lived next to a creek or something like that then it it stayed cold there but now it's it's all hot all of them are out to play i know courtney you were saying that you haven't seen any i haven't seen any yeah that's been another bummer about this week is i don't know if we're gonna get any cicadas here yeah so that's what i what like you have some trees on your block right we do, and we have, like, there's green space around. Like, yeah. there's, you know, so, corners that are very green, and we have a good number of trees, but... Yeah, so that's that's the thing, is, like, you'll, you'll see, and you'll see this, like, later on in this season, where if you start seeing the leaves at the ends of branches start turning brown, that mm-hmm. means the cicadas have laid their eggs there, and then the dead leaf or t- stick and everything will drop, and mm-hmm. then that will take the eggs down into the soil so that they can um. burrow, the nymphs can burrow and stay there for 17 years, right? Yeah. And so if you live in a place that maybe doesn't have ample grass for the trees to like shed the dead leaves into and drop down for the nymphs to hide, mm-hmm. then maybe you won't get them. But like, I was thinking, you know, I took a walk around your neighborhood with my brother and like, yeah. there are some like little parks and stuff around. Mm-hmm. So that will probably be where you see most of the cicadas, if not yeah. like in your immediate block, because there's more pavement there than, yeah. and, and also, I mean, in newer developments, especially around like Fairfax County, there will be places where, like, they're not going to get cicadas because in the last 17 years, a forested area got 
yeah. destroyed and turned into stupid expensive housing right that's not even well built and has paper thin walls and rent is three thousand dollars a month right northern virginia (laughs) i will say in 17 years when these nymphs emerge Uh since you know potentially i would imagine some are going to migrate to my part of the city and they'll lay eggs and whatever in 17 years hopefully by then my ac will be fixed yeah but um but um so it's it's not been fun yeah so before we start, as always, find us on the internet, oh, yeah. screaming about cicadas and shit. Yeah. At Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram. Our Instagram has been fire lately. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you. It's <laughs> and, because I am on fire in my house. Ah, yes. Channeling <laughs> so that poor. hot, hot humor into <laughs> I'm just hot, good hot, hot content. all the time. <laughs> hot, 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 hot. Appalachian, Appalachian State. is hot, hot, hot. hot, hot. hot. Oh, God. Come and show, let us show you what we've got. Come on, let us show you why we're hot, hot, hot. If you are a listener and you went to Appalachian State, go please. ahead and stop listening because we hate you. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We I don't hate say, you. We just I, hate I wish the that we had too. a fun song like that. I mean, it was something it sure was it, so con- contextually App State for a while was one of our like big football rivals and we found on the internet this video they did and it wasn't a video from the 90s but you would not know that from the content of the video because the content of the video was the song we just sang beautifully and also like 1994 style clips of people being like gathered around a computer and pointing and like eagles soaring and like stop footage it was a (laughs) promotional video for their university and it was so fucking corny it was it was honestly so dated but it, it had been like made in like 2008 so not that long ago at right. the time but like we sang that song in 2008 mm-hmm. like we made fun of it in 2008 after it had been like released yeah that like in the in, yeah in the to, late like, 2000s basically so it was one like one of the guys in the trumpet section who was really good at arranging music arranged a stand tune version of it so, so when we, we could played play App State, we could play the App State song. <laughs> it, was so, so, it was so dumb. Was but anyway, amazing. yeah. So you can find Hot Hot Instagram it's called, posts. I think it's called Appalachian is Hot Hot Hot. But if oh. you search App State Hot Hot Hot, it should come up. Yeah. But anyway, our Instagram account is hot, hot, hot. So follow it (laughs) at Spoop Hour. Also, if you have any ideas for content or things that you think about while Mm -hmm. you're listening to our podcast, stuff that we say that reminds you of something or corrections or whatever, Mm -hmm. email us at spoophour at gmail.com. Also, we have a Patreon. We do. Yeah. And if you have ideas for Bone Cone, we take those if you're at the $5 tier. Mm -hmm. Or honestly, you can just tell us whatever and we'll probably do it. (laughs) We are planning, we're going to do Cicada Cone, presumably in Sasha's backyard, because my backyard has no cicadas. I was going to say, like, we could even do a whole episode about cicadas, because they're so fucking fascinating. Yeah, they're great. And there's folklore about them and Mm -hmm. whatever. Maybe we can play Among Us soon again, because... They're releasing a color. They're, well, they're releasing several new colors, but light pink is one of them, and I'm very excited. I'm going to fight Courtney to the death. No, I'm just kidding. If she if she wants, I'm going to shake teal. you with my light pink toothbrush. I've killed you on Among Us before, and I'll kill you on Among Us again. Uh, I'll take I'll take teal if you really want pink that bad. No, I mean we'll we'll take turns. Among Us, maybe that can be a thing if Patreon yeah. listeners want it to be a thing again. We've played with y'all. We've played with our Patreon supporters before, and I killed Sasha like three times, which and I also, started I to never, feel bad about, but it was funny. Well, and it's not even just that. It's like we I played with my coworkers. I've played with friends. I've played with Spoop Hour listeners. I don't get to be the killer, like almost You've never ever. gotten to be. I've gotten it once playing with Oof. randos. Yeah, I've otherwise never been killers. And it's it sucks because like it looks like so much fun and I've watched other people play so I'm like I know how to do it like let me do it mm-hmm. but just I never get randomly selected the That's so random weird. number Jesus never lets it me you know E3 is happening next month and I know Among Us will probably be announcing yeah new stuff and whatnot but so we don't run out of time did anything spooky happen to you this week? Yes. So this is both kind of a spooky thing and the reverse of spooky thing. I don't know. I don't know unspooky? if we've ever invented a turd for that. It's not unspooky. It's just like it was a spooky thing, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's like when you take a sock and you like move it inside out, so it's still a sock, but it's like different. It's like that of spooky. Okay. I... So 
I will stay with you here. <laughs> so hear me out. So this was about a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I think it was on a Saturday night, and I was the last person awake in my house. And one of the many ways in which I am the worst is I drink out of a water glass, and oftentimes if it's late at night when I'm going to bed, I'll leave my empty water glass on, like, the living room table because I'm the worst. And I'm like, I'll get it in the morning. Who cares? And, like, Zelda had fallen asleep on top of me. I'd finished my water, and I was like, okay, well, when Zelda gets up, I'll go to bed. So Zelda got up. Which is unusual for her. She doesn't She doesn't often sleep on me downstairs, particularly now that it's warm. And I got up and I just had this weird feeling and I was like, you know what? Since Zelda's laying on me, so clearly weird things are happening. I'm going to go ahead and put my glass in the dishwasher like an adult who cleans up after themselves. So I went into the kitchen where all the lights were off and I saw an odd blue light glowing. Huh. And that was when I realized one of the burners on my stove was turned on just to the gas. Oh, no. So, like, clearly at some point we'd knocked into it and not realized that it had, like, turned to gas because it wasn't making the clicking noise because it wasn't on that much. So if I hadn't had that feeling of, like, oh, I should put this glass away, I would not have realized that, like... (laughs) there was potentially gas leaking into my house. Wow. And again, this is something where frequently I will just leave my glass on the table. Yeah. So it was out of character for me to be like, no, I should put this away. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean by like the reverse of spooky. It was like a spooky thing that happened, but for like good reasons. Yeah. So huh. that's what happened to me. Anything spooky happened to you? You know, I feel like there was, and I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. You have a pink scrunchie. I I do, yeah. Um, My school year is wrapping up real fast now. This week, I got to say goodbye to my senior homeroom and two of my senior classes. So now 50% of my schedule is freed up for me to do trainings. But yeah, I mean, yeah, not not so much in the way of spookiness. My dog likes to abuse cicadas, which has been really uh, sad for me. But that's but, classic dog, though. That's classic dog. So I can't like be mad at her. I just tell mm-hmm. her like clap and tell her to like leave it. Not and enough. she's doing better. She's doing better about leaving it. And also, if we say don't eat, she'll, she'll not eat. So that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. She likes the shells a lot more than like the actual living things. The well, living that's thing, good. The living things she likes to punch around like her little toys, right? Oh. But the cicada shells she likes to eat. But the, my only concern about it is that they're very sharp and hard to digest. So I don't want to It'd take her to like, the vet. Be like, yeah, go ahead and eat yeah, it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to take her to the vet. The other thing that could happen is she could have diarrhea, but her poops are looking real solid lately. <laughs> well, because she's just getting so much protein. I also discovered this week that the phrase, beagles love blueberries, from Fantastic Mr. Fox, is true. My dog is not a beagle, but she sure loves blueberries, and also dogs can eat blueberries, I had to check, but she fucking loves them. Now, like, whenever she s- sees me take the bag of frozen blueberries out of the freezer, she's like, she's like, hello? And I'm like, you, know you want a blueberry? Like frozen blueberries. And actually, frozen blueberries is fun because, like, I'll throw one at her and then she'll, like, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. And then she'll, it'll finally, like, thaw out just enough and she'll just sit there and go, nam, nam, nam. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very cute. She's very cute. Ugh. Briefly, I know we already talked about cicadas. Briefly, we haven't talked about it. There is a fungus that makes their butts fall off and makes them super yeah, horny, and it makes them trip balls. That's, that's what I was, insane. I was like, maybe we should actually have a whole episode on cicadas because there's shit yeah. like that that I really want to talk about. All right. What are we talking about today? Drinks. Cool. <laughs> yeah. As like a follow up to last episode which was about food, which is a follow-up to our last episode, which was about plants. <laughs> Just kind of continue this natural progression of themes as we find things that, like, remind us of other things. So we are talking about <laughs> drinks. Things that remind us of other things. Yeah. The spoop hour story. <laughs> so I have a bunch of stuff about wine, because okay. that ended up carrying my research okay. as it carries my day-to-day life. I have tea superstitions, Alcohol superstitions, and then assorted other liquid superstitions. Tell me about tea. Spill that tea. Okay, so all of my research for today came from Twining's, the tea brand, Aww. Green Witch Tea, Mental Floss, Monkey Shoulder, Inside, The Insider, and Daily Meal. Is Twining's the one who makes Sleepy Time? No, that's Celestial Seasons. Oh, yeah. okay, thank you. Or Celestial Seasonings, yeah. Basically, some of this might be a review. Some of this stuff sounded familiar to me, and I was like, you know, I think we've touched on this in other places. It could be yeah. about, like, 
quitchery it could be about <laughs> other food things it could be about like marriage whatever like there there's stuff that kind of pops up here and there but so some of this might be a review and some of this might be new to you Mm-hmm. So, first one is spilt tea leaves. A common superstition is that it's bad luck to bil- spill salt, but it's also bad luck to spill tea. Oh. That could be because of this idea that, you know, that salt was expensive. It was an expensive mm-hmm. commodity, and so by spilling salt, you're wasting money. That could be yeah. bad luck. But in 19th century England, for some reason, it's actually good luck to spill tea leaves. So people at the time would scatter loose tea leaves in front of their home to protect the family from evil spirits. So if tea happened to be spilt like inside your house, Mm -hmm. then it's just extra protection. Also, if you spill tea leaves while in the process of making your tea, it's good luck, but only if it's done like accidentally. If you spill it on purpose, it doesn't work. It's just more of like, oops, I knocked the spoon out of my hand. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, going to have good luck. Um, and also, if you throw your used tea leaves onto the fire in your hearth, it's also good luck and keeps poverty away. Oh. Yeah. Also, as you're pouring out your tea, the more tea leaves that end up in your cup, the fuller your life will be. And if leaves float to the top, you're about to have an unexpected visit from a lover. Ooh. Ooh. And so this is one that I have not heard before, but it has to do with this phrase, shall I be mother? Apparently, this has to do with who pours the tea from the pot. It comes from this English superstition that if two women are drinking tea together and one of the women wanted to have a baby, they'd do the pouring and therefore become a mother within a year. If a man and a woman take turns pouring from the same teapot, they will have a baby together. Oh. Yeah. And then the other thing is, though, that no two women should pour from the same pot or an argument would occur. So. You got to be careful with whom you spill that tea. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously the two women can't get each other pregnant. So that's right. where the issue comes is because obviously both of them want to get knocked up. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Maybe very heteronormative tradition, yeah. but... <laughs> but he- it's heteronormativity! Uh, <laughs> 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 um, then also in Scotland, there was a superstition that stated that it's bad luck to stir tea with anything other than a spoon, like the handle of a fork or the handle of a spoon or a knife or something, because it said that you're stirring up trouble... For yourself. Who uses the handle of a fork to stir their tea, though? I mean... If anything, wouldn't you use the tines, so at least you're using the grabby part to grab? I, I don't know. It might be just, like, it basically, like, just don't stir your tea without anything but a spoon. Yeah. Even even okay. if you use, like, a fork, it's still bad luck. Or a knife. Gotcha. It's, yeah. So just don't... Use the spoony part of the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you'll stir up trouble for for yourself. And also, while you're setting the table, if two spoons are placed on the same saucer, it's prophesized that the drinker will marry twice, or if they're of child-rearing age, you're going to have twins. Yikes. Yeah. A lot of babies with tea. A lot of babies. Also, putting tea leaves in a coffin is good because it'll give the departed refreshment for their onward journey. But also, it serves a practical... purpose of absorbing strong smells. I was going to say, I feel like that was just somebody trying to make the dead smell a little nice. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's chamomile. And then there's also some more like prediction-based ones. So if you're brewing a pot of tea and the lid of the teapot is left off, then an ominous stranger will call at the house. And if you forget to put the tea into the pot before boiling the water, it's also a bad omen. So put the tea in the pot, then pour the water. Yeah. And also don't leave the teapot, a lid of the teapot off. Stirring tea while it's in the teapot means you're about to argue with a friend. And stirring someone else's tea means you're stirring up trouble for them. So (laughs) mind your business, stir your own tea. Stirring someone else's tea, especially now with the modern way we use tea, does sound like you're starting shit. Like, yeah. oh, I'll stir your tea, all right. <laughs> like, mm. If your tea is too weak, you're going to fall out with a friend. And if your tea is too strong, you're going to make a new friend. So if you want to make some oh, new friends... I was going to say, one of those is not a punishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. These are just more superstitions. Okay. When you... Empty a pot. Well, this is like more of an English fisherman's tradition, but don't 
empty it fully when you're out at sea because you don't want to pour away all the fish that you're hoping to catch. So you want to keep a little bit mm. of the water with you. And this also meant that like they didn't want to return empty-handed. So also their families wouldn't empty out their teapots the day the fishermen set sail as well. But they were scared that the boat would sink. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's like a land-based ba- one and a sea-based one, basically. I'm don't... starting to think that because they drank a lot of tea, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff became associated yeah. with tea. Um, yeah, and and all of my tea superstitions are all like based in like the UK, so mm. I didn't go into like Asia or anything, where I'm sure there's even more, but that could be just a s- future time, a <laughs> future yeah. episode. Also, the last couple... There are bubbles floating in your tea after it's poured from a pot. There is some money coming your way. And the more bubbles there are, the more riches. Also, if your bubbles stick to the side of the cup, then romance is in the air, and each bubble represents a kiss. Aww. And that's some Western tea superstition. Would that mean, potentially, if you have a bunch of bubbles and they're all stuck to the side of the cup, is your lover going to also be rich? No, I think it's if it's stuck oh. to the side of the cup, it means it's romance. Just love. If it's floating in the middle and has that's all the bubbles, gonna be... that's going to be riches. Okay. What if you have both, though? Is that possible? Then you have like riches a couple and the love. Side? Then you get that, the wealthy billionaire that's, that's that we, what we all uh, That's what we all aspire to. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't want to marry into money and live a life of leisure forever and ever and ever and have a functioning AC? I'm so hot. Mm. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to hear about wine? Yes. Great, because it's wine time. Wine time. If we are going to talk about beverages that pack a mythological punch, Mm -hmm. we got to talk about wine. And if we're going to talk about wine folklore, there is one dude we got to talk about, and that is Dionysus. The god of wine yeah. from Greece. I was going to say, like, he's literally mythological punch. Yes. Yeah, if you literally. think about he he's the mythological he's like, punch bowl. He has a mythological he, punch bowl. He is. He's like, he's like, guys, I made jungle juice over here, and then over here we got sangria. Grab a cup. Let's do this. My favorite version of him of all time is in the game Hades. He's mm-hmm. just, like, such a, uh, like... Definitely, like, bro, man, let's have a drink. Like, well, very, very prime host. By the end of this, I'm going to try and make an argument that he's actually a feminist icon. Oh, good. Oh, oh, no, no, no. So, so no, but he's like still really good. Where he's just like, I love you, bro. Great. I love you, man. Oh, good. My so life he's is so much better because you're in, love it. you're in my life, and I love you. <laughs> Amazing. So, Dionysus, whose name I have been saying wrong in my head and potentially out loud. Were you for saying years. Dionysus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my head, it was always that. And then I was on his Wikipedia page, and I was like, wait, Dionysus? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard both. So I was yeah. going to say, you're not in, you're, you're in good company for people thinking it's one or the other. Yeah. So. Greek names are hard. They are, Greek names are, words in general are hard. Yeah. Why do we bother speaking, you know? We should just be anyway. doing sign language. <laughs> So, Dionysus is the Greek god of harvesting grapes and other fruit, winemaking, and wine. Spicily, he is also the god of fertility, festivity, religious ecstasy, ritual madness, chaos, excess, and insanity. I mean, yes. That sounds right. This is a dude who is down to clown. Like, let's go, Dionysus. I think he might be my favorite. Oh, by the end of this, like, I was like, oh my god, he's so much better than I ever knew. (laughs) So... In Rome, he's Bacchus, which I believe we all know. We'll get more into that in a little bit. But Dionysus was historically depicted as being a young, boyish, and hot guy. Mm. So the later depictions of him, because like me, you possibly have the idea that he's like this kind of like heavyset guy who's like very jovial. He's got like a big red face like Santa, and he's just like broing out and everything. That may actually just be because he got merged with Silenus, who oh. was the god of beer and wine and his mythological forebear slash tutor. Gotcha. So he started out being, like, young, hot, and ripped, and then he kind of morphed over time to be kind of that, like, jovial, big red gel- jelly belly, let's go kind of guy. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, in Disney's Hercules, that's how he's portrayed. Mm-hmm. In Hades from Supergiant, he is hot babe. <laughs> Isn't everybody in Hades a hot babe? I Everyone in it, Hades. My understanding is everybody in it is husband. <sighs> Everyone? Okay. I will say <laughs> I not... I don't know if you just heard Jack, but Jack just yelled from downstairs. True. 
I mean, there are, like, two or three characters that I don't find attractive, but... But aren't there, like, 30 characters? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's like, a so lot. So we're talking, like, 90% of them would bang. Uh, yeah, like, 80% so of them, yeah. That's, that's, that's still good, good, yeah. But anyway, but anyway, but Dionysus in particular yeah. is, like, or Dionysus... Oh, yeah. Damn yeah. it! I already. I mean, it doesn't up. matter. Who cares? Um, We're doing our best. But, but yeah, he he is like particularly babe material. Yeah, and that's historically how he was. It was just, you know, the in modern times he's more frequently depicted as kind of being the big jovial guy, just because he got smushed in with another oh. Greek god of wine and beer. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, Dion Dionysus was said to be a son of Zeus, and. His mother w- may have been a human woman who got burnt to a crisp when Zeus revealed his godly self. Oh, no. So I could not, I didn't dig a ton, but I don't know if she was like, hey, can I look at you in your god form? And then <gasps> Zeus was like, okay, and just like incinerated her no. with how hot he was. Or if he just did it and then she like burnt to a crisp and died. But this was <laughs> controversial. Yeah. So... A lot of Dionysus's lore comes from Euripides' play The Bacchae, I mm-hmm. think is how you say it. So, in it, Dionysus's human family rejects him and did not recognize him as being a god and son of Zeus because they said his mother was crazy and she couldn't be trusted when she was saying that, like, I hooked up with Zeus and I'm knocked up now. Yeah. His cousin, Pentheus, ruled over Thebes, which is where Dionysus is from. Right. And at the time, Pentheus was chief of the talking shit about Dionysus's mom club. Oh, no. So over the course of this play, Dionysus enchants all of the women of Thebes and then gets into Pentheus's head to essentially gaslight him into doing whatever Dionysus wants. Uh. He convinces Pentheus to follow his newly created female followers into the hills. But when Pentheus climbs a tree to get a better look at the rituals, the women spot him and tear him limb from limb, believing him to be a lion. Ooh. When the women return to the town with Pentheus's head, Dionysus lifts the spell, causing Pentheus's mom to realize what she has done. The end. Oof. It's a fucking bummer. So, as you may have gleaned from this surprisingly dark play for a party guy, yeah. followers of Dionysus were typically women, which, like, I put this directly in my notes, it's a hot dude throwing out wine and partying. Can you blame them? I mean... Yeah. There's worse people to follow. So they were called maenads. So maenads could be identified most easily by the thrysis, which is a long spear-looking thing made out of fennel with a pine cone on top. Uh-huh. So if you imagine a spear, but instead of the like pointy spear part, it's just a pine cone, yep. that's what they would frequently carry. Okay, that he literally has that in his illust- character illustration for Hades. You're never going to look at that the same way because... Oh, hell Yeah. The thrysis was a symbol of fertility and sexual pleasure, and the pine cone on top was to symbolize the spreading of seed. He's down to clown. He is down to clown. Dionysus is like, let's do this. I'm not wearing pants. Let's just see where the night takes see, us. See, yeah, now I'm like looking at this il- beautiful illustration of him from the game, and I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that hits different now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, the maenads are also often depicted draped in fawn or panther skin, wearing snake crowns, and they were most commonly depicted barefoot to symbolize that they had this kind of connection to the earth, because Mm -hmm. obviously, that's where vines come from, and vines vines are where we get wines. Yeah. Allegedly, the maenads would worship Dionysus, I keep saying it, I don't know. I, yeah. D-money. (laughs) D-money. The maenads would worship D-Money in such a way as to be driven into a, quote, dangerous hallucinogenic state and rapture of ecstasy, which would give them the appearance of supernatural strength. Wow. I realize this is supposed to scare me off, but I'm like, low-key, that's kind of badass. That's, that's pretty hot. In this heightened state, they would tear the flesh from animals in an act called sparagamos, sparagamos, I think, uh-huh. and they would eat the flesh raw. Ooh. So basically some credit this to it being kind of revenge for Dionysus against his mortal family. Because if you'll remember in that one play, right. they thought the one dude was a lion and they, teared him, they tore him apart. Yeah. So they, some think that the maenads still do it as a way of like striking back at mortals uh, for rejecting mm-hmm. Dionysus's godliness. 
Maenads were generally not very highly regarded as Euripides' writing shows, Mm -hmm. and many people regarded them as gossipy, wild, erratic, and chaotic. This was mostly because they acted in a manner outside of what was socially acceptable at the time. Mm. So the whole point of women at the time and all of the societal pressures were for women to stay in the house, pop out babies, and do whatever men told them to do. But these women who followed Dionysus would go into the hills by themselves and worship this wine dude, which is not staying in the house, not popping out children, and not doing what mortal men tell them to do. It's just like partying with Dionysus. Right. D-money. This was largely the result of Athenian standards, this, like, condemnation for the way the Maenads behaved. Sure. Because Athenian standards dictated that women doing tasks by themselves was something to be feared and mocked. Like, it wasn't enough that you do everything that the men say. If you do anything by yourself, they're going to be like, that seems dangerous. I don't know about that. In elementary school, in third grade, we did, like, ancient civilization study. And mm-hmm. when we spent time doing ancient Greece, we basically, like, each of our tables was a city-state, and yeah. we had to, like, basically work together to, like, earn points and, like, you know, be successful. But, like, if a girl needed to go to the bathroom, one of the boys from her table had to escort her there. Oh, my gosh. And we were yeah, like, see? this is terrible. And our teacher was like... Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So imagine you're living in that world. This means that the main ad rituals to worship Dionysus were actually just female empowerment events. They may not have been getting into this, like, crazed sexual frenzy. They may have just been going off into the mountains and doing whatever they wanted for a couple days. That's, yeah, because women need to do that. Exactly. Like, I mean, they may have just been like, yeah, we'll say it's for Dionysus, but we just kind of want to just, like, hang out and, like, like I was not gonna say, have That's just, like, good ass. for all people to be able to, like, go leave what they're doing. It's called a yeah. vacation. It's called, <laughs> it's called rest and relaxation. It's called recharging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called, yeah. we live in a capitalist society and we need more <laughs> of that. <laughs> exactly. So this is why I would argue that Dionysus is maybe a feminist icon. Because even though he's like this super bro party guy who's got this reputation for just being like a ladies man and just like boning and drinking his way through Greece, he was a way for women to act outside of what was culturally acceptable and just like go off and do their own thing. Because even stuff like thesmophoria, which we've talked about previously, it was a fertility ritual. So even though women went off and did their own thing, the point was to pop out babies. Right. So it was okay that they could be like, you know, they're they're being a little out there. They're leaving the house. They're hanging out without men. But the goal is still that socially acceptable thing of procreation. Whereas this was just, I don't know, we're going to go on the mountains because we like it. So fucking deal with it. Girls weekend. Girls Weekend in the Mountains, D-Money, let's go. (laughs) So let's talk about Bacchanalia, because if you've heard the word Bacchus, it sounds a lot like Bacchanalia, Bacchanalia. Mm -hmm. and there's a reason for that. So in Rome, once Dionysus arrived and became established as Bacchus, Mm -hmm. which may, interestingly, I was reading about this, it may have been the result of some Greek prisoners that the Romans brought back with them, and then the Greek prisoners explained the basics of Dionysus, and their captors were like, this guy seems legit. Like, yeah, I'm not mad at Let's it. Let's add Bacchus to the list. Yeah. So the Bacchanalia was introduced, and this was a collection of festivals in the mystery cult style, meaning that all attendees were sworn to secrecy, and each event was held in strict privacy. Mm. So the first rule of Bacchanalia we is don't talk do about. not talk about Bacchanalia. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Roman historian Livy, The earliest version of Bacchanalia was open to women only, held during daylight hours three days a year, and heavy on hymn singing and dancing. Hmm. But in Etruria, which was north of Rome, a nocturnal version was created that incorporated wine and feasting and men. So men could come to that Bacchanalia too. So now when you hear the word Bacchanalia, it's like this huge debaucherous party implication when you hear, oh, it's a total Bacchanalia. That was mostly the Etrurian version. Originally, it was just like a standard holy festival. It was just mostly women hanging out during the day, you know, singing songs. Yeah. So once men drinking and food were allowed in, Bacchanalia became, as Livy describes, quote, a place in which all evil occurs because he was a buzzkill. 
including some of these evils were sacred murders and animal sacrifice, allegedly. But remember, the rules of Bacchanalia are you do not talk about what happens there. It only works if everybody keeps their damn mouths shut. So, like, how much of this is a thing that actually happened? And how much of this is Livy running his mouth about something that he doesn't know anything about? Mm. So... Everybody was cool with this loud, rowdy party where potentially crimes were occurring until Publius Abutius, a buzzkill, was forced to choose between being initiated into the Bacchanalia or being in a relationship with a courtesan named Hispala Fascinia. Hispala did not believe in Bacchanalia, and so she warned Publius of its dangers. So when he declined being initiated into Bacchanalia, he got banished from his family home, and then he ran to the Senate to rat out the practice. He was like, <laughs> Senate, everybody has this big loud party, and crimes happen there, and I don't want to go, but I just wanted you to know that this was happening, and like, do with it what you will. The Senate initially believed that all of the rumors about how terrible Bacchanalia were were just like a conspiracy to take it down, and they also didn't really take issue with Bacchus in the early days, mm-hmm. because for his... Terrible as a lot of things in ancient Rome were, they were surprisingly chill about religious differences when it came to, like, people worshipping Bacchus. They were like, I mean, this is is fine. It's not what we would do, but, like, whatever. But then they heard rumors that Bacchanalia was a front for plotting to overthrow the Senate. And the Senate did not like that. So Uh -uh. they created an inquisition imprisoned and killed people who went to Bacchanalia. So imagine, it's basically just a huge overnight rager, and people were getting executed because they got this idea into their heads that Bacchanalia was just a cover to overthrow the Senate. (sighs) It probably wasn't. It was probably just people drinking wine and hanging out. But who knows? (sighs) So after... All of this, after all of the executions and the imprisonment and everything, Bacchanalia got reformed mm-hmm. so that it would be less debauchery-oriented, more worshipy and, like, general, like, religious practice of Bacchus, and that was that. Right. And Bacchus in Rome wasn't just about Bacchanalia. He also shared knowledge about cultivating vines and making wine, and he taught an important parable about partaking in wine. While on a journey, Bacchus saw a small plant growing that he pulled from the ground and took with him. He found a hollow bird bone, so he put the plant in it, but it grew too quickly and its roots got exposed outside of the bird bone. So he he then finds a hollow lion bone, puts the plant in that, Mm -hmm. same thing happens again. Plant grows too quickly, outgrows the lion's bone. And then he finds a donkey bone where the plant thrives. He's like, oh my god, this is the happiest plant I've ever seen, whatever. So when he arrived home, he planted the donkey bone with the plant in it, and it turned into a vine that he used to teach viticulture. Eventually, he told mankind that if they drank in moderation, so a small amount, like Mm -hmm. a bird bone, they would be happy, singing and enjoying life like birds do. If they drank more than that, they would become lions and find trouble. And if they kept drinking wine past that, they would become donkeys and be real asses. Wow. But also, that reminds me of Pinocchio. <laughs> right? I, that's exactly what was in my mind when I read that thing. I was like, isn't that what happens if they drink too much beer and they turn into donkeys? So Dionysus, while he's probably the most well-known of the wine gods, is not the only one. You've got Akan, who is the Mayan god of alcohol, St. Bridget, the Irish patron saint of brewing and a bunch of other stuff, who is partially responsible for leap year being a time for women to propose to men for once, if you'll recall from her leap year episode. Mm -hmm. You have Li Bai, the Chinese god of wine and poetry, Siduri, the Mesopotamian deity of beer and wine, and Varuni, the Hindu goddess of wine, and many, 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 many more. Truly, there's a Wikipedia list of a bunch of them, and Uh it is like 45 gods and goddesses long. Wow. So... Very quickly, here's a quick handful of some with cool stories. We're going to rabbit fire some wine yeah. folklore. So, coming from Europe or possibly the Middle East, you've got the Green Man, a supernatural entity predating Christianity and possibly Celtic in origin, which gets him mixed up with Cernernos, uh-huh. the antlered ancient Celtic god who's often brought up modern Wicca. So, sometimes that guy's called the Green Man. It's not. They're two different folkloric figures. Is this where we take the little Green Man off the cup and put him on... I think it might be, but I I did not find a conclusive link. That was, like, one of my favorite rules in Kings in college was when everyone Mm -hmm. brought up the green man. And, like, you take the green man off the cup before you drink your... Before you drink. And then you put him back. Yeah, so 
if you're not familiar, Kings is a drinking game that college students play, and if you have a king that you play, you get to establish it's a, card, a rule yeah. that card game. everybody has. Yeah. yeah, it's a card game mm-hmm. that everybody has to follow for the rest of the night, or your punishment is drinking. Mm-hmm. One of the rules is there's a little green man on the edge of your cup, and so before you take a drink, you have to pick him up and you have to put him on the table, and then you drink, yeah. and then you pick him up, you put him back on the glass. This may be that green man, yeah. I, but I again, I could not find it. So. Typically, the green man is depicted as a floating head wreathed in or emerging from foliage or vines, and he has berries and grapes hanging from his beard. The green man is typically used as a symbol of rebirth and renewal or as a harbinger of spring, so he's seen as a sign of good luck and celebration. He's also sometimes seen as the recent Spoop Hour topic, a gargoyle. Hello! Oh, hello! So that's him. Then for the Zulu, you have Mbaba Mwana Waresa, which I tried desperately to find a pronunciation guide online, and I could not find one. You so did I'm your very best. sorry if I butchered that. She is the goddess of fertility, abundance, rain, agriculture, beer, and rainbows. Her association with beer is more common than her association with wine, but as an interesting tidbit, she allegedly took a mortal husband when she could not find a suitable spouse among the gods. So imagine how terrible the gods must have been for her to be like, I don't know, I guess I'll marry a human man. (laughs) In Norse mythology, we have Aegir. So Aegir is the god of waves, Mm -hmm. and he, even though that's the only thing he was god of, he and his daughters were renowned for their ale and mead, Mm. which they prepared in a magic pot that Thor and Tyr had stolen from Hymir, the giant. The pot, like many mythical pots before and after it in mythology, could never be fully emptied, even if it was a god doing the drinking. So no matter how much you drank, it would always refill. Hmm. The second you approached the bottom of the magic pot, it would just whoop, magically refill with ale, mead, wine, whatever you like were drinking. Like Stregonona's pasta pot. <laughs> like Stregonona's pasta pot, but with booze. booze. So those are some quick wine gods and goddesses. Do you want to tell me about alcohol before I get into 100 wineries? Yeah, so here are just a rapid fire, here's a rapid fire list of superstitions from around the world about alcohol. All right. For some reason, there's an old wives' tale in Argentina that just says, never mix wine and watermelon, because it'll <laughs> cause certain death, but really it's just an upset stomach. I was going to say, I feel like that's because melon gives you a lot of, like, stomach gas, and wine also gives you a lot of stomach gas. So you're just going to get, like, You're just going to get a really bad stomach tummy. ache. Yeah. Yeah. In some parts of the Czech Republic, a toast must include eye contact with your fellow drinkers. You also want to do the interlinking arm things, and then don't spill your drink. So, basically, it's eye contact with your drink, the person you're toasting with, and then, like, don't even look at your glass. You have to just, like, be able to, to do, do it. it. Yeah. Failure- but with your arms interlocked? Yeah. And oh, if you spill, if you spill or look away from the other person, you're going to have seven years of bad sex. As I was looking for superstitions, one, my, my computer blocks out any searches for alcohol, which made that one a little hard because if a website like was like a winery or like a blog about alcohol or something like that and like the safe search thing can like figure it out it the network blocked me from using it and or not even the network just like my whole system blocked it so there's a lot that like I had to like kind of go around and try to find around so I realize I forgot to read my sources. You would not have been able to get into, like, any of them because it was Wikipedia, thedrinksbusiness.com, Women in Antiquity, and baronia.com. Yeah, there are a bunch where, like, if the blog was only about alcohol, I couldn't open it. But if it was just, like, one article about alcohol, I could open it. You could sink in. Yeah. So on Wikipedia, the article Russian Traditions and Superstitions has an entire section that's just about alcohol (laughs) because russians love to drink so when you're having alcohol especially vodka the glass must be drunk until it's gone to the bottom of it but so like you can't refill your drink until you've hit the bottom Hmm. and then you go one should not put a glass with alcohol back on the table (laughs) damn yeah so you have to like hold your drink but or chug it wine wine big cocktails and beer don't fall under the rule it's more of these like oh. smaller vodka glasses or shots so like a shot yeah or or like a smaller you know drink you have yeah. to drink it all at once basically 
Traditionally, alcohol is poured out to all people present, though you're not required to drink. So even if you're like a non-drinker, you're pregnant, you don't, you know, you don't drink alcohol, whatever it is, to be polite, they'll still pour you a drink, but you don't have to feel pressure to drink it. Yeah. That's that's nice. One should not make a long interruption between the first and second shots. So you want to knock back (laughs) two pretty much at once. Yeah. A lot of these folklore traditions kind of just sound like a drinking game yeah. that got, like, really intense. Intense. If a drinker arrives late, he or she must drink a few a, a full glass, which is called the punishment or penalty drink. It's and, a party foul. Yeah. In some remote parts of Russia, a man who spills his vodka must jump in the nearest river and return walking backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to Rasputin. Maybe it wasn't actually an assassination that got him. Maybe he spilled his drink and they were like, you got to run to the river. And he just didn't make it out. (laughs) Also, if you're the outgoing guest, you have to drink the last glass called Naposhuk. And it's literally translated as on a small staff. Really, it means just for lucky way. So before you leave, you have to drink one more glass. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Every portion of a spirit is accompanied by a touch of glasses and a toast as, uh, toast pronounced. Funeral and commemoration are exceptions. There, the touch of glasses is forbidden. Okay. It's not allowed to pour out by hand-holding a bottle from below. So don't hold your bottle from below and tip it. You want to hold... Well, that's a weird way to serve a drink anyway. Yeah. That's going to spill. <laughs> Don't pour a glass being held in the air. Only pour on the table. It's considered bad luck to make a toast with an empty glass. If done, the toaster must finish the bottle of what he had last. Oh, my God. It's also considered bad luck to put an empty bottle back on the table when it's finished. So once it's empty, go put it away where it belongs. Okay. And then also, when it's empty, you can also put it in the ground for good luck. The superstition comes from a legend involving Russian soldiers in the 19th century. While soldiers were in Paris, they were able to save money on alcohol by hiding their empty bottles in the ground rather than leaving them on the table as they were being charged by the empty bottles they left behind. (laughs) So bury bury your bottles for for wealth. In Peru, the traditional Sunday morning post-football drink has a special rule. One glass is shared between all drinkers. Each man drinks half his portion and then tips the other half on the ground before passing the glass. The ritual is probably inherited from the ancient practice of offering gifts to Pachamama, or Mother Earth, and the man who finishes the bottle has to buy the next round. Hmm. In some parts of East Africa, the third drink of the evening must be followed by a story from each drinker. In Italy, if you spill wine, you must dab some of the spilled wine behind each ear. This was likely passed down from the Romans who thought spilling wine was a bad omen. Hmm. In Varnhalt, Germany, the last grapes harvested in every season must be brought in by an ox-drawn cart, or the entire season's harvest will turn sour. Romanians will traditionally pour some wine on the ground so their dead friends can drink along with them. Pour one out. Wow. In ancient Egypt... Wow. Yeah. I'm learning so many things about like, alcohol traditions that we just do. Yeah. And I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. In ancient Egypt, royals were buried with five jars of wine to bring with them to the afterlife. This was for good luck so they could use the wine to enjoy themselves in the presence of other royals. Aww. In Germany, when a person dies, the wine in their cellar must be shaken as soon as possible. Don't know why. Just, you have to go shake the wine. <laughs> and then is it done? Like, you just shake it, but you can still, like, drink it or whatever? Yeah, I think you, you just gotta shake, shake it. it. Just, like, as soon as they die, you have to... Shake, shake all the wine. wine. Can't imagine if you have like a giant wine cellar that must take forever. Oh my god, you'd have to get like multiple people to help yeah. you. Yeah. What if it's in like a cask? Right? Like I, guess- I have this cask of Amontillado in my basement. You can come over sometime and see it. <laughs> but like if you had to shake that, like yeah. Uh, yeah. Get a friend. (laughs) Um, Always shake your casks with a buddy. In Lithuania, it's said that exactly midnight on Christmas Eve, water turns to wines and animals will start to talk when humans are not around to listen. Hmm. That's pretty dope. I feel like if you hit a certain point in alcohol consumption, you're just going to be open to, like, animals talking anyway. (laughs) During a storm, if you're a fisherman, you can pour wine into the sea to calm the water. And then, you know, during Jewish weddings... There's the yeah. glass stump in order to bring a happy marriage. Aww. Yeah. All right. Love Tell it. me All more. Right. Are, are you ready to learn about haunted 
wine race. I am. Yes. All right. It's been a hot second since we talked about things that are haunted, so I wanted to like yeah. talk about haunted wineries. And then I learned from northernvirginiamag.com, we have a couple haunted wineries kind of near oh, us. Oh, awesome. Also, so, Bunny Man Brewing, by the way, is yeah. it's, it's moving and grooving. It's, it should be opening soon. And w- when it is safe for us to go, mm-hmm. we will go yeah. and report back. So, also, this research not just comes from northernvirginiamag.com, it also comes from vinepair.com and winetraveler.com, which Sasha is not allowed to access on her computer. Oh, my computer. Uh oh. <laughs> so, semi local one, first off the gates, is Zephaniah Farm Vineyard, which is a manor house turned winery in Leesburg. Oh. Leesburg, it's kind of far from us, but not like. I was going to say. We could drive like, out to it. I go to wineries with my friends for fun. I mean, I don't drink wine because it makes me sick but i go with them for fun and we will drive all the way out to like basically west virginia on an afternoon because yeah so like leesburg Leesburg is actually not that far because that's also where the outlet mall is (laughs) yes so built in 1830 zephaniah farm vineyard has a chief ghost named maddie nixon who is a bit of a busybody So, when Maddie was alive, she inherited the farm in 1903 as a young single lady. She ended up marrying a British veterinarian named Dr. William Casselier. Casselier was not a nice man. First of all, he was a snob. He liked to think he was an aristocrat, and he wanted people to treat him as such. And he also had a violent streak, which is not something you want in a mm -hmm. husband. At one point, while Maddie owned the farm and was married to him, Casselier killed a tenant farmer because he accidentally let the cows out. So that's not great. No. So Maddie is now one of the 25 to 30 ghosts estimated to be on the property, and she mostly just lurks and supervises any renovations that are undertaken. So anytime they do anything to, like, update the manor house or the Uh winery, they consult, like, some sort of clairvoyant to check in with Maddie, and Maddie's always like, love it, do whatever you want, I'm cool. (gasps) Wow. if an engaged couple shows up, and she thinks they're not well-suited to one another, (gasps) she will show up and make her presence known. Oh my god. According to the vineyard's owner, Bill Hatch, Maddie seems to come out when there are people who are about to get married because she didn't have a great experience. So she basically comes out and is like, are y'all sure you want to get married? Oh my god. Maybe not a good choice for you. Wow. I love it. Another haunted Novaish vineyard is Valerie Hill Vineyard and Winery in Stevens City. I don't know where that is. This one, do you know? Yeah, it's kind of south of here, I think. Oh, okay. So this one is haunted by Benedict Rust, who was the son of the man who built the manor. Mm -hmm. Benedict did not have a great life. He was declared insane in the 1800s, which was not a great time Mm. to undergo any kind of mental health and I hesitate to use this word, care? Because he wasn't really care. He ended up getting sequestered in the attic and basically just being locked in there until his death. So his family just never let him out of the attic. He typically makes his presence known now by running on the second floor and making a lot of noise when no one else is around. Oh, my God. The reason why they know he's the ghost is because they brought in ghost hunters and they were recording, and he said his name on tape. He was like, Benedict Rust! So they're like, oh, well, now we know who it is. (laughs) The remaining ghosts are most likely Civil War related because the vineyard served as a wartime hospital, so many soldiers spent their last moments there. And as we know, that's a recipe for being haunted. Yeah. Out in Haymarket, the winery at LaGrange leaves a glass of wine above the fireplace in their tasting room as an offering to their residence ghost. Oh. Benoni E. Harrison, who owned the estate beginning in 1837, reportedly hangs out on this plane because of his rocky relationship with his wife in this life. According to marketing director Ross Forey, so, like, take it with a grain of salt because he's obviously marketing. I think I've been to that one, LaGrange. Oh! Yeah. (laughs) If you saw the glass of wine on their fireplace, this is why it's there. So Benoni was, quote, always at odds with his wife, who was a, quote, big, busty German woman, when... He was small and sickly, so they they Uh, were on the same page. mm -hmm. The wine offering came about because it keeps Benoni placated. Mm -hmm. One time, they just moved the glass. They didn't even, like, dump out the wine or anything. Like, they still had a wine offering. They just moved it to a different part (laughs) of the house. 
Benoni threw a tantrum, and the next day, the manor lost internet for three weeks. Oh, my God. So now they just keep the glass of wine on the fireplace. They're like, whatever you want, bro. Like, you're good. And then, very quickly, I'm going to do this last one. Mm-hmm. So, in Himrod, New York, near the Finger Lakes, you have Miles Wine Cellars. Mm-hmm. It has earned a tottered reputation for more than just the fact that it has a Chardonnay blend called Ghost, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yeah. It's also home to a few unidentified and mischievous spirits. There was one day when David Miles and Susie Hayes, the owners and operators of the winery, were in the manor doing some work. David was in the office while Susie was in the kitchen, and Susie walked into the living room near the office, opened the door, and then walked up the back stairway to the second floor. From the office, David heard the door to the stairway slam shut. Uh. So he followed Susie upstairs and he was like, are you okay? Like, are you upset? Why did you slam the door? And Susie had no idea what he was talking about. She's like, I left it open. And then they both heard footsteps in what should have been the empty kitchen. Mm. So David doubled back to take a look and he saw mist rising from the floor that got to be about eye level with him before it flew through the living room and out of the house and it slammed every single door along the way. Uh. This was not the only ghostly incident. David's father, who used to visit the estate frequently, Mm -hmm. was often awoken from a dead sleep by the feeling of someone pressing on his back. Or his comforter would be ripped off him and thrown across the room. Oh, I don't like that. I know. Even now that the room is largely empty, the comforter is still frequently found at the base of the bedroom door because whoever is in there still yanks it off. Most commonly, the spirits spotted at Miles Wine Cellars are described as being a man in black and a woman in white who may have lived in the manor before it became a winery, but little is known about who they could be because Doug and Susie brought in, like, clairvoyants and ghost hunters, and the clairvoyants tried to commune with the spirits, and they were like, you need to leave these spirits alone. Don't do seances. Don't try to placate them. Leave them be. And so now they just, they don't do anything. They don't try to get rid of them. They don't try to contact them. They're like, y'all can do whatever you want. It's fine. That's so scary, actually. Right? Oh, my God. Fucking spooky. Like, if you have a clairvoyant tell you, actually, we can't (laughs) fuck with this because this is, like, that's, that's, like, some next level ghost shit. It's right? like, like, we need to leave them alone. Like that's, Yeah, even from, like, a skeptical perspective, for a clairvoyant who is, it's in their best interest to be like, oh, you gotta regularly have seances, I can come in here once a week. Like, remember every time we saw a psychic who hated you, yeah. who was like, well, for $200 a month, I'll give you a packet of herbs that will, you know, make your life better. Yeah. It's in the clairvoyant's best interest to be like, oh, these ghosts are happiest when I'm here to talk to them, so I have to come by twice a week and, you no, know. No, this clairvoyant's like, I, I need to go. Yeah, this clairvoyant is like, I gotta go. We should not be fucking with them. They are not That's happy. so interesting. Right? Ugh. So, they do ghost tours, though. Like, yeah. they do a spooky ghost tour, but they, I don't think they actually do, like, ghost hunts or yeah. anything. They're just like, these are the ghosts that are here. If you see them, don't freak out. Do not engage. Do not engage. Oh, my God. Oh. That's scary. So those are some haunted wineries. Yeah, and before I get into my last superstitions, I looked up Stephen City, and I'm wrong. Ooh, it's not it? south of us; it's west of us. We actually to get to JMU, mm-hmm. we've driven past it like every oh, single time. Okay. Yeah, it's it's on 81, south okay. of Winchester. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's pretty out there. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's a day trip. All right. Yeah. So in Turkey, these are like just final superstitions. This is about like really any drinks, so not just Love alcohol. It. In Turkey, it's bad luck to drink water that reflects moonlight. According to the Turkish Ministry of Culture, those who drink the water that's reflecting the moonlight will have bad luck. But apparently bathing in it under the moonlight and shadow, like having like a dark, like a nighttime bath outdoors, if you do that, you will shine as bright as the moon. So Hmm. don't, don't, don't drink it, but you can bathe in it. Okay. And then also, but if you do drink water otherwise, put your left hand on your head for luck. So just drink like this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's an easy one for us to do at home. I like when they're easy. Yeah. This one was a little rough because this came from, I think, like an automatic translation of their government website. And so, oh. you know, like when you run th- something through Google Translate, it doesn't make sense. Where it's like, it's it's technically like, yes, that word means that. But right. 
so that is going to make these yeah. two maybe sound weird because I had to like sit there and think about what are they trying to say. <laughs> so yeah. if you're Turkish and I got this wrong, it's because I didn't understand your government's website. <laughs> so you can't drink milk at night because otherwise the cow will stop producing milk. And also, if you are giving milk from your cow to someone else, you should put a leaf or coal into it as a ritual to keep the cow producing milk. So apparently, in Turkey, we're worried about cows producing milk. Yeah, I was going to say, in Turkey, they have very fussy cows. Yeah, very fussy cows. Also in Turkey, if you're a little boy and you drink coffee, you are not going to be able to grow a mustache or beard. I feel like some parent invented that because they were like, for the love of God, do not give him caffeine. Yeah, but it's so funny because otherwise here I heard that like as a little kid, oh, if you drink coffee, you're going to get... It'll stunt your growth. Well, it'll stunt your growth, but also like you're going to grow a mustache or you're going to get hair on your chest. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want a hairy chest. (laughs) (laughs) Like a little eight-year-old girl. I'm like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. You have just like this full luxurious Tom Selleck mustache and you're like, I had coffee coffee one time. One time. Never again. (laughs) Too late for me. To toast with water is considered bad luck in the U.S. Navy, and anyone who does so can expect to die at sea. Oh my god! Yeah, but this superstition (laughs) is not just in the U.S. Navy, it's also commonly held in Germany, and then the traditions go back to ancient Greece. According to ancient Greek mythology, spirits of the dead would often drink from the river Lethe. Leth, Lethe, Leth. Oh, yes, yeah. you say, yes, it's Letha, Letha, I think. Letha, yeah. Uh, which is named for the goddess of forgetfulness. Yeah, like in Hamlet, there's a reference to it. Allegedly, if yeah. you drink it, it wipes your memories. Yeah, so after drinking from the river, the spirits forget about their lives on Earth before entering the underworld. So basically, don't toast with water. Damn. Yeah, so on the, in the U.S. Navy, it's don't <laughs> toast at water, like, because you're going to die at sea. In Germany, yeah. it's like, just don't toast. You're going to have bad luck, yeah. Damn. Also, in Serbia, a common superstition is that spilling water behind someone will bring them good luck. And so people will often spill a little water behind a loved one who's about to go on a trip or a job interview to wish them luck. That's Because nice. the water is thought to be lucky because it ref- represents fluidity and motion. Aww. Yeah, so... That's an easy one to replicate with your friends and family members, too. Yeah, so... Just like a spill a little water. Spill a little water, <laughs> yep. Little splish blush. So if you next time you have something that's big and important to do, get someone to pour a little bit of water out for you uh, behind you. Pour one out for good luck. Yeah. So that's my superstitions. I love it. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, I'm. I but now I'm thinking like, oh man, I only got Western tea. I got Eastern tea. I'm like, we're only scratching the surface. I did a we very didn't talk quick, about beer. <laughs> no, I did a very quick Google for, like, Eastern wine traditions. Yeah. And there's, like, a cryptid thing in Japan <laughs> that's, like, a sake orangutan. And, like, apparently it's in Princess Mononoke. Oh. And, like, it's the thing that says it can't protect the forest. Yeah. And the, the implication is it can't protect the forest because it's drunk because it's the sake orangutan. Oh. <laughs> like, and... Well, it was weird. I was expecting there to be more wine folklore in China because obviously they they have this huge historical relationship with wine. Yeah. But I didn't see anything. Oh. But I would imagine there's a lot more wine out there. There's a ton of beer folklore. A lot of it gets mixed up into wine folklore. So I was trying to extricate the wine from the beer. So. Because, like, the Aztecs had, I think it was the Aztecs, had a god of a milky beer substance. Oh. So clearly we just need to... Like, just do more drinky episodes. We need to do more potent potables. Is potent potables. <laughs> is this episode going to be called Potent Potables? Maybe. 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 Why we not? We just don't know. <laughs> Have a cider for me if you drink. If you don't drink, who cares? Like, that's go fine. Go get some apple cider. Yeah, go get some apple cider. Drink some water, but don't toast with it because consequences may be super intense. I need to tell my family this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because we're not big drinkers. I mean, my dad brews beer, but we're not... But, like, everyone else in the family drinks water or, like, juice when we have parties and stuff. So we got to be careful about that. Only toast with your juice. (laughs) So, all right. Well, it's been another Spoop Hour. Thanks thanks for for listening. listening. What 
beverage folklore didn't we cover that you want us to talk about? Or is there a weird drinking tradition? And it doesn't have to be alcohol, but just some sort of tradition associated with beverages that you do or have heard done that you want to know the folklore reason behind? Free Slurpees on July 11th from <gasps> 7-Eleven. That's a tradition. This is, this is so sad. So oh, no. <laughs> this is my tragic story about free Slurpees at 7-Eleven. Oh, no. I loved Slurpees as a kid, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't get them, like, all the time. Right, but, but it was, once like, a every, nice like, treat. Yeah, once every, like, month or two, I'd get a Slurpee. Yeah. It was, like, it was lovely. And I did that up until, like, through college, like, just the occasional whatever. And then around the time that I quit soda, like, big time, I also stopped drinking Slurpees. Mm-hmm. And I one time went to treat myself to my favorite Slurpee, which used to be the Coca-Cola Slurpee. Mm-hmm. And this was a couple years ago, so maybe things have changed, but I, like, you know, I, I poured it out, and I was like, yes, fucking Slurpee, I haven't had a Slurpee in years, this is gonna be so good. Took a big ol' sip, and I didn't like it anymore. Oh, no! And maybe I it was a bad re- batch. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it's because my palate has adjusted from not drinking soda as often yeah. as I used to, or what, but I used to love Slurpees, and then the last time I had one, I was like, oh, I don't like this anymore. You know where... This is... I, I really like, I mean, Icy, it's basically the same thing. It's the one that has the white polar bear on the yeah, cup. Yeah, yeah, I liked the blue la- raspberry yeah, one. Yeah, the the I always liked their Coke one. I, I guess mm-hmm. I haven't had a 7-Eleven Slurpee Coke in a really long time. I'll check that mm-hmm. out next time. Yeah, I c- report back. It was a similar reaction to when, as an adult, I saw Sunny D at the grocery store while on vacation with friends, and we were like, Sunny D used to be the bomb. Let's get some fucking Sunny D. And, it's and it was terrible. disgusting. It was so I, gross. I used, to, I used to freeze Sunny D, and I had this nice skinny spoon, and I would mm-hmm. scrape it out, and I tried doing, and I really liked it when I was little, and I tried it again a couple years ago, and it was bad. Is there any other truer tragedy about the loss of innocence than trying something that you loved as a child, as an adult, and finding that it's gross? Yeah, it's just so sad. It's the saddest, because it's like, I loved this as a kid, and now I'm eating it, and it's not what I remember. Oh my god, I've changed so much. My childhood is gone. I feel like that's a lot of the discourse in the snack yet, too. Whenever an old 90s snack is brought back, all these 30-year-olds are like... Uh, it's not but then good. There's, there's also, yeah, there's there's going to be those who are like, it's not good anymore. And then there are those who didn't grow up with it who are like, it was never good. Yeah. That's, that's fucked up. Yeah. I was going to so say, sorry, thing, sorry that that's me with like a lot of hostess snack cakes. I'm not going to say which ones, but a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. I understand because as at this point in my life, I've had to come to terms with the fact that my partner and I have, have basically opposite snack tastes Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways like i'm a raccoon where i'm like "Ooh, is that fake nacho cheese yes please yeah and he's like that's mostly plastic what's wrong that's that's me and my partner too (laughs) but the good thing about that is it means you don't have to share your snacks so it's okay that you don't like hostess snack cakes because if i have hostess snack cakes you get more hostess i get to eat them and you don't have to have exactly like that's the joy of it so if there's one thing you can leave this spoop hour with we hope that every childhood snack you try again is good enjoy and that everyone you share snacks with secretly doesn't like the snack, so you don't have to share. You just have to make the nice gesture, like in Russia when you pour a drink, drink for, somebody for someone else. Drink. Oh, you don't drink? Oh, that's okay. Oh, oh you I'll don't drink eat hostess it. cupcakes? You know what? I'll eat your hostess <laughs> cupcake. No biggie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for Stay listening. Stay hydrated. A, yes, please drink water. If you're going to drink an alcoholic beverage, drink just as much. But don't or toast more with water. it. Don't toast with your water. Just chug it. Make good choices. <laughs>